This is Examine Sport, a podcast of the Sports Ethicist. I am your host, Sean Klein. Each episode of Examine Sport focuses on an argument or concept in the philosophy of sport literature. We will look at classic, discipline-defining articles, exciting, newly published works, and dig deep for important but not as well-known papers. You can subscribe, comment, and find an archive of all the shows, along with links and related information, at sportsethicist.com. In this episode of Examine Sport, I look at Nicholas Dixon's influential paper, On Sportsmanship and Running Up the Score. Published in the Journal of Philosophy of Sport in 1992, this paper spurred a discussion on the ethics of wide-margin victories in sport. Is it wrong to run up the score or blow out another team? Many seem to hold the view that sportsmanship condemns this pursuit of lopsided victories. Now, Dixon labels this view as the anti-blowout thesis. Quote, It is intrinsically unsporting for players or teams to maximize the margin of victory after they have secured victory in a one-sided context. Now, Dixon's goal in this paper is to show that the anti-blowout thesis is incorrect. He's not trying to argue that blowouts are always a good thing, only that they aren't necessarily and always a bad thing. Now, before looking at his critique of the anti-blowout thesis, we need to look more at the thesis itself. There are several key words or phrases in this thesis that need some elaboration. Now, the thesis says that it is intrinsically unsporting. This qualifier, intrinsically, carries a lot of weight here. In this context, it means that the pursuit of a wide margin victory is always a sign of bad sportsmanship. It is wrong in itself. By analogy, murder is intrinsically wrong. It is part of the conception of murder that the act itself is wrong. It is intrinsic that murder is not justifiable. Compare this to the more general concept of killing. Killing is not intrinsically wrong. There are times when killing is justified, maybe even required. Think of the case of self-defense. So the AB thesis, the anti-blowout thesis, is saying that it is part of the conception of sportsmanship that pursuing a wide margin, a wide margin victory is wrong. Now, the thesis also claims that maximizing the margin of victory is wrong when the victory is secured. Now, this raises an important point. At what point is a victory secured? It seems there are two ways to interpret this. One way is an absolute sense of secured victory. There is no possible way that the losing side can come back. For example, in American football, if a team is up by 42 points and there are only 30 seconds left in a game, it's impossible for the losing side to score sufficient points before time runs out. But this absolute sense restricts the scope of the thesis considerably. Most cases of lopsided victory will not be absolutely secure until the game is over. Now, another way to think about a secured victory is more in terms of probability. In baseball, if one side is down 20 to nothing in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, it's extremely unlikely that the losing side will mount a comeback and win. Nevertheless, it's not impossible. As long as the third out is not recorded, it remains possible for the team to score runs. The victory is secure only in a probabilistic sense, not an absolute sense. If it is the probabilistic meaning that has weight here, then there's a judgment call about when this condition of secured victory is met 
and people might reasonably disagree, disagree about when and if it's met. Now, the thesis also claims that when victory is secured, it's wrong to maximize the margin of victory. But what does it mean to maximize the margin of victory? Maximize here carries with it a sense of intentionality. It's not merely that more points are scored, making the margin bigger, but that in some way the team or player is trying to do this. They are intentionally acting in ways to make the margin of victor victory even larger than it was. Now, a related question here, or something to think about in terms of the A-B thesis, is how does this idea translate to sports that don't have points or, or goals? Is the shot putter, who has already secured the goal, but gold, but still has another throw to make in the competition, doing something wrong by trying to make that throw even farther? Or what about the long-distance runner, who is so far ahead of the other runners in the race that she could walk to the finish line without losing her lead? Is it unsporting for her to increase her pace? Both of these seem odd to think of as case of cases of unsporting behavior, and it's not clear how the A-B thesis would apply to such cases. So the A-B thesis means that it's always wrong, always a sign of bad sportsmanship, to continue to pursue extending the margin of victory when there's little to no chance of the losing side coming back. Now, Dixon, as I said, wants to show that this thesis fails. He does this by considering the reasons offered in support of the thesis. He proceeds by showing that these reasons do not support the thesis. And so, ultimately, the thesis should be rejected. Now, it is important to emphasize that Dixon is not arguing in favor of blowouts. His target is this particular thesis. The idea that there is something intrinsically wrong with, quote, pressing for lopsided victories. That's not identical to praising or supporting such actions. We can argue against the idea that it's intrinsically wrong uh, without thereby necessarily arguing that it's always right either, right? That those are separate kind of claims. And Dixon is really only concerned here with showing that it's not intrinsically wrong, to pursue a lopsided victory. Now, there are two main sets of reasons that Dixon identifies as support for the A-B thesis. The idea that blowouts are gratuitous and that blowouts are cruel and humiliating. So let's take a look at blowouts as gratuitous first. On this view, blowouts are gratuitous because once a win is secured, it's unnecessary to keep trying to win. The point is to win the game, so if the win is secured, it's gratuitous to continue to try to win. Dixon argues that this reasoning is based on a false premise, the claim that winning is all that matters. But winning is not all that matters in sport, and winning is not the only purpose for engaging in the contest. So the continued pursuit of winning is not gratuitous, even if the win is secured. So the winning side of a lopsided victory might be interested in setting a record, pushing themselves further in terms of athletic excellence, creating more excitement for the fans. The losing side might take the opportunity to face defeat with dignity, an exercise of their good sportsmanship, or take the opportunity to challenge themselves against a superior opponent. The point being that there are other goals, other purposes involved in the contest besides winning. Now, the next reason for the AB thesis is the idea that blowouts are cruel and humiliating. 
Now, this line of support of the AB thesis rests on the idea that, quote, players who suffer lopsided defeats have been humiliated and diminished as human beings, end quote. Dixon responds in two main ways to this line of reasoning. First, he rejects the idea that blowouts inflict humiliation and diminishment as human beings. There is absolute, quote, there is absolutely no disgrace in suffering a heavy defeat by a far stronger team. While they do indicate athletic ability, neither victory nor defeat affects one's worth as a human being. What does reflect Pelé's character is how hard and fairly they play and how they conduct themselves in defeat and victory. Now, he does then consider the idea of humiliation as an athlete, right? Because, quote, athletes take pride in their ability and effort, and blowouts are an affront to this pride, end quote. So the defeat is, is not a challenge to one's worth as a human being, but it might be humiliating to one as an athlete. Now, to answer this line of reasoning, Dixon distinguishes between a weak and a strong sense of humiliation. The weak sense is a more literal understanding of humiliation as, quote, reducing to a lower position, end quote. In this sense, any loss, blowout or otherwise, is a reducing to a lower position. In this contest, the losing side is in a lower position relative to the winning side. But there is no moral quality to this. There is no disgrace or shame. It's just the recognition that on a given day, someone else was better at this contest than me. If I played to the best of my ability, prepared for the match, didn't cheat, and maintained my dignity, there is no basis for shame, no matter the margin of victory. The morally problematic sense of of humiliation is the kind causing shame or disgrace. Dixon gives the following examples, quote, more appropriate occasions for the feelings of strong humiliation will be the revelation of a moral fault, for example, cheating, a non-moral character, such as the lack of persistence I show if I give up too easily in my defeat, or an act of gross stupidity or incompetence. Where there is a basis for shame or disgrace, then strong humiliation is relevant. But there is nothing inherent in a lopsided victory to suggest a moral failing or faulty character. Dixon's point is that one's worth as a human being or as an athlete is set by how hard you play and whether you play fair or not, not by victory or defeat. So a lopsided loss, if one has played hard and fairly, is not a measure of your worth qua person or qua athlete. And so strong humiliation is just not relevant. So weak humiliation is not morally problematic, and strong humiliation is just not usually relevant for the context of blowouts. Now, what about cases where the winning side is trying to make the losing uh, side feel worse about their loss? That is, taunting and teasing them, doing things in the course of play with, uh, uh, with the intention of embarrassing and disrespecting the losing side. Now, Dixon argues that such cases do show a serious lack of sportsmanship, but they are not wrong in terms of a lopsided victory. They are wrong because the winning side has an intention to cause emotional harm to the other side. That intention is not a necessary part of pursuing a lopsided victory. Quote, one can also pursue a lopsided victory without any intention to humiliate one's opponent. Dixon's point is that we have to distinguish between a team or a player who has an intention to cause harm and a team or a player who is pursuing a lopsided victory. These may sometimes overlap, but they do not have to, and there is no necessary connection between them. The intention to cause harm can be there absent the blowout, 
and a lopsided victory doesn't have to involve any intention to humiliate. And regardless of the margin of victory, a blowout or a close contest, we should always be critical of the intent to cause harm. Now, Dixon acknowledges that since there are many cases where the lopsided victory has coincided with the intention to humiliate, we have a misconception that they are the same thing, that pursuing a lopsided victory necessarily manifests an intention to cause humiliation in the strong sense. But if Dixon's analysis is correct, then this identification is a misconception. The losing side in a contest might feel humiliated, but, Dixon argues, quote, they have not in fact been strongly humiliated either as human beings or as athletes, end quote. Thus, quote, the existence of such feelings does not justify moral condemnation of teams pursuing victory by a wide margin. So Dixon concludes that a blowout in itself is not wrong. Quote, there remains no good reason to criticize teams for pursuing high scores in one-sided victories, end quote. Now remember, Dixon is not claiming that blowouts are in themselves a good thing or a bad thing, only that they aren't automatically and always a bad thing. It is wrong, it is unsporting to try to humiliate or show disrespect to an opponent, but that is not something that is necessary for a blowout or restricted to blowouts. And so since we can distinguish these two things, we can identify the wrongness of trying to humiliate without thereby also claiming that blowouts themselves contain that intention. And that's Dixon's point, that we can separate them and so that a blowout isn't necessarily something that shows an intent to humiliate. And so he then concludes that the AB thesis, thesis, the anti-blowout thesis, should be rejected. Now, Dixon continues his analysis by comparing his view of the relationship of lopsided victories in sportsmanship with prominent views of sportsmanship, those of James Keating, Randolph Wiesel, and Peter Arnold each of which were subjects of previous episodes of Examined Sport. For the sake of time, I won't be getting into this part of the paper, but Dixon's point is that the correct understanding of these accounts supports his rejection of the AB thesis. In a future episode, I will look at Fiesel's response to Dixon on just this point. Thank you for listening to Examine Sport. You can subscribe, comment, and find an archive of all the shows, along with links and related information at sportsethicist.com. Please also consider rating the show on iTunes, liking it on YouTube, and sharing on Facebook, Twitter, and elsewhere. You can email the show, sportsethicist at gmail.com. 